Hey everyone, this is M Black Writes, a podcast for people who love stories, and I'm your host, M Black. Hey everyone, welcome back. I want to start off this episode with a gentle reminder that I am giving you the opportunity to earn another bonus episode where I read journal entries if I get 20 reviews on Apple Podcasts. The reason those reviews are important is because that's the only way that other people outside of people that I know personally are going to be able to find my podcast and listen to it. And the only reason I'm doing this is to try to get more listeners, obviously. So I will probably end up quit doing it if I don't get enough listeners. So if you want me to keep doing it, please leave me a review. Thank you. And um, I'm also doing, if you want to earn a mini episode with just one story, if I get to 150 followers on Instagram, I know that sounds so ridiculous. Just bear with me. I know 150 is a small number. Anyways, if I get to 150 followers on Instagram, I will do a mini episode with, with just one story. So if you want me to do that, tell people to follow me share it on your story, like share my posts on your story, tag me in something, just try to get people to follow me. And if I get to 150, I will do a mini episode and we're really close. We're at 141. So it's not that far away. So welcome to Vanity Unfair part one. Yes, you heard me correctly. Part one. This episode was a lot. I got a lot of responses for this episode and um, I did two interviews for this episode and both of them went just fabulously well, but because they went so well and because we talked so long, that made them a lot longer than I was anticipating, but I don't want to cut stuff out because they were really, really good. So when I started putting everything together, this meant that this episode was almost two hours long and I don't want to put out a two hour long episode. I like to keep my episodes around an hour. So lucky you guys, in the month of April, you are getting not one, but two episodes. This week is Vanity Unfair Part 1. Next week will be Vanity Unfair Part 2. Each episode will have two stories on it. This episode today is going to have one interview for the POA, Pile of Artists segment, which is really good, and half of an interview with Megan Black, my sister-in-law from Trials and Triumphs. And then next week, we'll have two stories, the other half of Megan's interview. And if you've been following along on Instagram, we are going to be talking about your responses to my question Why should you not ask someone if they are pregnant? So I'm splitting this up into two. Each one should be about an hour long. Um, Part two might be a little bit shorter. I'm not exactly sure quite yet. But let's get started today with a table of contents. I used a table of contents in my bonus episode and I really liked it. So I might start putting them on all the episodes Not guaranteeing that, but I'm doing one today. So here's the table of contents. Table of contents. POA with artist Sydney Grigg. Story number one, a tale of two spanks. Story number two, eyebrows anonymous. Interview with Meg Black, of Trials and Triumphs. For this episode's Pile of Artists segment, I was able to interview Sydney Grigg, who runs an Instagram account called Painted Lines. It's painted dot lines if you want to go search for it. She does amazing line work and she was so awesome to talk to. I hope you like it. Hello. Hi. How are Hi. you? Hi. How how are you? Sorry it took me forever to um, get back on Instagram. I'm terrible at that. No, that's totally fine. It's not a big deal at all. <laughs> okay, because I feel really bad. Sorry. <laughs> Do not feel bad. <laughs> um, so before I get into the questions that I actually 
sent you. Um, I, I really creep on you on Instagram <laughs> and I need you to tell me more about your dog. Graham? Yes. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. He is. What kind of dog is he? Um, so he is half German pointer and half Griffin or wire hair. Okay. So he's like a combination of the two. Um, and so that's why he has the cutest little beard and floppy ears. Oh my gosh, he's so cute. <laughs> he really is the cutest. I, I love him and I love dogs. So I always like creep on your videos of him because I... Oh, he is so spicy. Like he has <laughs> such an attitude and he is just, he is a hoot. He is funny. <laughs> How old what is he? What do you have? Mine, mine's a golden retriever. Oh, cute. Yeah, yeah. How old is Graham? Graham just barely turned a year. Okay, so still a puppy pretty yeah. much. Cool. Yeah, how old is your dog? Uh, She's about to be four. Like, Oh, no way. I'm pretty sure she was born in April, so she's coming up on four. But, yeah. Oh, that's so cute. Yeah. Anyways, okay, so tell us about your art medium and your process like how you do your art um okay so for the medium i'm honestly not really sure i um i i kind of want to say line drawing but then i also like to do a lot of portraits and like bodies like hands mm -hmm. or faces or something um but I just like to make it my own style. I like I like more of the messy lines. I've always tried to train myself to be more of a quote unquote like professional painter, but I just don't like it. I don't like following rules, and so mm -hmm. I just decided one day to make it my own. No, I totally I totally get that because I'm the same way. Like anything that I ever like to do, if I try to do it like by the book, I start hating it. And so then I just yeah. do it however, and I don't care if it's not, yeah. like, considered good. Like, I don't care. I'm happy with it. Yeah, <laughs> but I, but I, exactly. think, I think you do a fantastic job. Like, I love your um, pictures of hands. I really, really like those a lot. And faces, too. Like, especially the ones that are, like, half a face. I don't know. I like them. Yeah, I like those too. And my husband always is like, where's the rest of it? And I was like, that's it. That's Guys, all it needs. they don't get it. They don't get it. <laughs> um, how long have you been doing this type of art? And how did you get started? Um, I've honestly been drawing forever. I remember when I... I remember one of the first gifts I asked for growing up was an easel and paints. And my mom and dad bought me the coolest easel with all of the paint stuff and drawing stuff, everything a little girl could ever want. And so I always really loved that. And just as time has gone on, it's just been an outlet for me to just express myself without having to explain it to anybody, if that makes sense. Yeah. And, um, I recently just decided to start sharing it, um, but I have taken a little break because I noticed that I was letting myself worry too much about what I think people might think about it too. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I just need to take a step back and just start drawing for me again and then mm -hmm. I can start sharing. Yeah, that I, I get that too because like I just barely started this podcast a couple months ago where I, you know, started to share my writing and I noticed too, it was kind of like consuming me, like thinking about what are people going to think about it? And like, what do I need to post on my Instagram today and stuff like that. And, right. and, and I don't like that. I don't like that feeling. But then at the same time, I think it's been really good for me to start sharing with people because, um, I don't know. I would like, I feel like I'm, I'm working on it a lot more than I would be if I wasn't sharing it with people. Does that make sense? 100%. Yeah. But, but I totally get where you're, what you're saying where like you need to take a step back, which I think is part of the reason too, why I only put out one episode a month because I just don't feel like I have the capacity of doing it more 
than that because I need the breaks from it. If that makes right. Sense. Yeah. And you want to keep that passion, your passion. Right. So I get that. Exactly. Okay. Um, if someone does want to purchase art from you though, how do they go about doing that? Um, I do have a little shop set up on Etsy. Um, but then also they can always just DM me. I did a super cool, uh, commission for my cousin where it's like the outreach of Christ's hands with the, with the mark in the middle. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I can share that with you if you want. But That's really cool. Yeah. Just through that link or just DM me on Instagram. Okay, cool. That And perfect for Easter Sunday. That sounds like an awesome piece of art. Oh yeah. It was super that. fun to do. Yeah. It sounds like it. Okay. Well, Thank you so much for being willing to do this with me and You're so welcome. letting me like hound you about it. I, <laughs> I started to feel like, oh my gosh, I should just leave her alone. <laughs> oh my gosh. No, no, don't. Listen, I, okay. First of all, I'm really bad at responding. Like honestly, in my, just in my text right now, I have 404 unread text messages. <laughs> That's and- hilarious. And people are always like, how does that not bother you? And I'm like, I honestly don't know. I just am not put together, but that's fine. (laughs) That is hilarious. (laughs) Well, thank you so much for letting me call you and have an awesome day. Thank you. You too. (laughs) See ya. Okay. Bye. We are starting off with a story today that is about Spanx. And a while back when I did all those have you ever polls on my Instagram story where I asked about different beauty techniques and things, 55% of you said that you have worn some type of shapewear. I wear Spanx. I wore Spanx this week. Um... I I don't know. I think they're actually comfortable. I might have the weird opinion, but I find them comfortable. But I think that's because I am most comfortable when I can feel my clothes like tight on my body. There is nothing more uncomfortable to me than things sagging off of me. I hate it. I hate it so much. I don't want to have to like pull things up or readjust things. I want it to just fit me like a glove and I don't have to touch it all day long. Most specifically, the thing that makes me cringe more than anything else is if I am wearing jeans and my jeans are not like tight to me and staying in place if they are sagging off of my butt even a little bit oh oh I I hate I hate that feeling and I get like secondhand cringe factor if I see other people and their pants are sagging off of their butts it irks me (laughs) so much. I hate it. I just want to go and pull them up for you if I see them sagging off your butt. But I mean, if that's comfortable for you and you like to wear your jeans like they're pajamas, good for you. Like you do you, girl. Me personally, though, I just like my clothes to feel like they're my skin, basically. (laughs) So I like Spanx. I used to wear a Spanx one suit, like, or one suit, one piece. I think I mixed one piece and bodysuit together and called it one suit. Anyways, I used to wear a Spanx body piece, one suit. Oh, I said it again. One piece body suit. I used to wear that like every single day and loved it. But then, um, I, I don't know. It got a little bit small on me. And so it did 
start to get uncomfortable and so I stopped wearing it but now I my favorite thing is I have they're not actual Spanx brand they're just something I ordered on Amazon but they're like compression tank tops to wear underneath your clothes and I love those so much because I can put it on and then I could put my pant like tuck it into my pants and it keeps my pants up as well as like just holding all of my bits in if you know what I mean <laughs> so I like them but another thing I wanted to point out too is for any of you who have had cesareans like me I had a c-section when I had my son those compression tank tops I didn't I didn't use one after I like immediately after I had him because I was in so much pain I think it would have hurt more I don't know but I did use them a while after having him when I still had some tenderness at my incision site and it I don't know. It just feels good for it to be snug. And also, if you've had a cesarean, if you're like me, when they put the stitches in, at least this is how it is on my body. I don't know if it is this way for other people, but when they stitched up my incision, it pulled that part of my body in really tight and just kind of leaves this pooch where my belly is because it's pulling that part down so tight that it just kind of makes this you know fun little pocket where my belly is so the compression tanks just hold all that down and you just feel good anyways that's my that that is my spiel about Spanx I personally like them I don't wear them every day it depends on what I'm wearing and where I'm going and what I'm doing um but I like them. But in this story, <laughs> the Spanx are used improperly, I guess you could say. <laughs> and it goes awry. Um, but I'll tell you, so I, I embellish a lot when I write these stories. I really just take what you tell me and then I just go running off in whatever direction I want to. So the original story, the person who told me this, all they told me was that they once wore... Well, I don't want to tell you because it would spoil the story. I'll tell you this after. You just listen and then I'll tell you after. Okay. Goodbye. A Tale of Two Spanks, a story based on true events, written by M. Black. Not today. Not today. Brandy spoke to herself in the mirror as she hopped and wriggled into the nude-colored spandex bodysuit. Don't judge me, she admonished the cat, who was staring at her from his perch on the bed. Next to him was another Spanx one-piece. Brandy considered it for a moment. I will not be the fat friend today, she said, as she swiped the second compression garment from the bed and began shoving her legs into it one at a time. I said, don't judge me, she reminded the cat as she pulled and stretched with all of her might. Finally, she was able to rest the second set of straps on her shoulders where they squeezed mercilessly. After completing the rest of her outfit, Brandy stood sideways, examining herself in the mirror once more. With both hands, she smoothed her shirt down across her stomach, sucking in as she did this. Satisfied, she swiped her car keys from the nightstand and said, See you later, Gus, to the cat on her way out the door. The drive to pick up each of her friends was less than comfortable, with the tight fabric like an anaconda around her middle. But she set her jaw and journeyed on to the final destination, a movie party at Carl Jenkins. His family was rich, and he had one of those rooms that had been built specifically to be an at-home theater. Projector, stadium seating with comfy couches and chairs on each row, and the walls were lined with movie posters in decorative frames. Just outside the movie room was a game room equipped with air hockey, ping pong, foosball, and a few arcade games. Everyone was congregated here waiting for the rest of the group to show up. 
Brandy, whose stomach was beginning to churn from all the pressure, opted out of the cookies that Carl's mom offered and did not take a stool at the counter with the rest of her friends, but rather engulfed herself in a game of pinball for two reasons. The first, to distract herself from the death grip she had placed herself inside, and the second, to have an excuse to remain standing, which was much more comfortable than sitting in her condition. Once everyone had arrived, they moved into the theater room. Brandy quickly snagged a portion of one of the reclinable love seats, lifted the footrest, and awkwardly lowered herself into a horizontal position. You look comfy. Trent Barlow made the observation that could not be further from the truth as he slid into the space opposite Brandy on the love seat. He released the reclining feature, crossed one foot over the other, and nestled into the couch with his shoulder inconspicuously touching Brandy's. Brandy, who normally would be flattered and enthusiastic to Trent's obvious advances, silently wished for him to go away. The discomfort in her gut was boiling over into a hellish nightmare. She could feel sweat beating on her forehead. Carl had chosen Pirates of the Caribbean as that night's selection. Brandy suffered quietly as Trent inched closer and closer. Then, with a spur of boldness, Trent shifted towards her, letting his hand glide across her abdomen until it stopped to rest on her waist. The full weight of his arm clamped down on her distressed stomach. On the large screen in front of them, Elizabeth Swan was suffering from a similar plight. I can't breathe, Elizabeth wheezed, taking the words straight from Brandy's mind. As she watched Miss Swan topple over the edge and into the ocean, Brandy felt a familiar, salty taste creep into her mouth. She shot up from the couch, kicking the recliner in forcefully and leaving poor Trent mystified. I'm sorry, I have to go, she whispered desperately before fleeing the theater room and the house altogether. Speeding home, she prayed that she would meet no cops along the way. Her phone buzzed angrily in the cup holder as her tires skidded to a halt in her driveway. Grabbing the phone and briefly glancing at the onslaught of text messages as she dashed inside reminded her that she had just stranded all of her friends at Carl Jenkins' house. However, the matter of her frenzied intestines was more pressing. Bursting through her bedroom door effectively alarmed Gus, who leapt from the bed and into a laundry basket. Brandy began tearing items of clothing from her body. She had just begun the process of rolling down the top pair of spanks when the nausea overcame her. Green vomit splattered all across her white carpet. I said don't judge me, she remarked to Gus as she wiped her mouth with the back of her hand. Okay, so what I was going to say is the original story that was told to me was pretty simple and straightforward. It was just one time I wore two pairs of Spanx because I didn't want to be the fat friend and it made me throw up. So I added all of the other details to this story, but as funny as it is, it's also sad. Why is there such a term as the fat friend. I hate that so much. Let's stop using it, please. And if you consider yourself to be the fat friend, I just want you to know that you are so hot, okay? You're hot and I love you. This next story is my personal favorite from this episode. I got to be really creative with it and I think it's funny because it's about eyebrows and I just find eyebrows funny. I think the things that people do to their eyebrows are funny. I think the trends that eyebrows go through are funny. I think the fact that the whole world is so obsessed with eyebrows is funny and... I have done some dumb 
stuff to my eyebrows throughout the years. And I know you guys have too because so many of the things that were submitted to me involved eyebrows, which is what inspired the premise and the plot of this story that you're going to hear next. I didn't use all of your stories in this story, but the volume of stories that I got involving eyebrows was the inspiration for Eyebrows Anonymous. Eyebrows Anonymous, a story based on true events written by M. Black. My eyebrows are sisters, not twins. I will leave any and all eyebrow removal in the hands of a licensed professional. Tweezers are for slivers, not eyebrows, with the exception of a unibrow situation. If I cannot fill them in nicely, I should not fill them in at all. My eyebrows should only be one to two shades darker than my hair. YouTube tutorials are not real life. If I get myself into an emergency eyebrow situation, I can remember this simple phrase. When I'm dismayed, I can microblade. After the reciting of the eyebrow oath, Chair legs squeaked on the hard tile floor as the group of women returned to a sitting position. The chairs were arranged in a circle. A few women milled in the back of the room, picking cookies from the refreshment table. All right, well, thank you for coming to another session. It's nice to see so many familiar faces as well as some new ones. Let's get right to it then. We will open up the circle to discussion. Does anyone have anything they would like to share? The women shifted uncomfortably in their seats. Some stared at the floor. Some played with their hair or picked at their nails. Others pulled out their phone. Then, a tentative hand rose to the air. Yes, Nina, please go ahead. Nina, who donned a large band-aid covering her left brow, cleared her throat. throat) Uh, As you can see, in the past week, an eyebrow incident occurred. Our eyebrows are unique, but they can all be on fleek. The group reassured her in unison. Thanks, Nina smirked and then continued. Lately, I've been feeling increasingly self-conscious of the bushiness of my eyebrows. So, on Sunday night, after resisting the urge for quite some time, I reached for the razor. Most of the women inhaled in response to this, with one uttering a low, Oh, no. Go on, Nina. It's okay. This is a safe space. We've all been there, the facilitator encouraged. Nina let out a slow breath. I just wanted to trim them up, but it went horribly, terribly wrong. Tell me you at least use an eyebrow razor, a woman across the circle piped up. Nina shook her head gravely. Nope, pulled it straight out of my shower. It still had some stray leg hairs on it. Oh, Nina, no. I know, I know. So I've been wearing this enormous bandage for four days, and I concocted an absurd lie to explain it all to my co-workers. What did you tell them? Nina sighed. I told them that I hit my head on the metal plate of the door latch on my front door. But you're clearly too tall for that to have made sense. The door latch would be near your waist, not your head. Right. They questioned that too. So then I said that I was carrying in groceries, tripped, and that is how I hit my face. Nina... The facilitator chimed in. Would you like to remove the bandage and show us? Not really. The circle erupted with encouragements. Come on, it's just us. We won't judge you. Take it off, girl! Nina tentatively raised a hand to touch the outer edge of the bandage. Then she carefully peeled it away. <gasps> a collective gasp surged the room. Nina's brow was missing a large section of its middle. What do you feel you have learned from this experience, Nina? 
I will leave any and all eyebrow hair removal in the hands of a licensed professional. Nina grumbled the line from the eyebrow oath while covering the evidence of her blunder once more. The facilitator nodded in agreement, and others around the circle followed suit. Just then, the door swung open and a small face with astonishingly engorged lips popped in. Is this the white place? The swollen lips asked. KJLC survivors meet in room 47, dear, the facilitator aided. The girl in the doorway nodded appreciatively and then disappeared. What's KJLC? Kylie Jenner Lip Challenge. I only had one single submission about the Kylie Jenner Lip Challenge, but I had forgotten that that was even a thing that happened. And so when I was reminded of it, it it made me laugh and I really wanted to include it in one of the episodes. And so the idea for having someone pop into the eyebrows anonymous meeting looking for the Kylie Jenner lip challenge survivors meeting (laughs) came to my brain and that's what I did and I just think it's funny I just love imagining like the girl popping her head into the doors and her lips are all huge and she can't even talk because her lips are so huge (laughs) so funny we are a dumb society Okay, today I'm talking with my sister-in-law, Megan Black. She is Hayden's little sister, for those of you who don't know. And I asked her to be on this episode today because the episode's all about vanity and the things that we do to try to look good. And it's going to be kind of lighthearted and fun in the stories. But I also wanted to talk about something a little bit more serious and talk about body image and eating disorders. And the reason I asked Megan on is because she has experience with all of those things and she's a really good advocate for people and wants to spread the knowledge about eating disorders and body image and mental health. And she has a Facebook group called Trials and Triumphs and also a Instagram page that she runs to help spread awareness. So I asked her to come on today. Hello, Megan. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm actually very excited about this, so thank you. Well, thank you for being willing to do this. So will you just tell us all like the quick and fast story of kind of your life leading up to you starting Trials and Triumphs? Okay, so I think the short and condensed version is I was kind of a chubby girl growing up. And when I was 13, I decided I wanted to lose some weight and I downloaded my fitness pal. It's a pretty well-known calorie tracker app. And it started out with good intentions and it was really healthy for the first couple of months, but it quickly turned into like a obsessive hell. It quickly began controlling my life and Um, it just led to one thing after another. I started adopting destructive behaviors that eventually led to a severe eating disorder that lasted throughout high school and through the first two and a half years of my college experience. Um, I, my official diagnosis was bulimia, so I would binge and purge and, um, restrict. And so anything I ate, I had to compensate for. And so... That can look like excessive exercise, restricting for a couple of days, vomiting, chewing and spitting. Um, It varied. So anyways, it got really, really bad to the point where my therapist, who I've been working with for eight months, um, she's like, I can't help you anymore and you're too sick. And that was like a a shock for me because it like opened my eyes as to how... um, how much the eating disorder was controlling me. And it eventually led me to being 
admitted to a residential treatment center for eating disorders. It's called Center for Change. Um, it's up in Orem, Utah. And I spent May and June of 2019 there. And it was one of the best decisions of my life. When I was there, I had an assigned therapist and we were discussing one day um, what I could use my experience and my like my story and my trauma and how I can help others with it. And um, that day I made a goal to share everything I have learned and help others. And because I feel like there's a lot of misconceptions and um, myths about eating disorders. And I feel like those who suffer feel really alone. And so I just decided to reach out and I started Trials and Triumphs as a um, way to encourage women to talk about their struggles and to um, let them know that they're not alone and that, you know, they matter and that I wanted to validate them that food and body image and dieting and society's expectations can be deadly and that they do control you and that they do hurt. And so I don't know if they knew that made sense, but that's kind of what led me up to creating the Trails and Triumphs page. Oh, it totally makes sense. So you mentioned, I mean, I know most of your, most of your story because we've been close for years, but you mentioned um, your therapist that told you that she couldn't help you anymore. But yeah. you, you have a therapist now, right? Yes, and it's the same therapist. Okay, so she, you went back to her? Yeah, so that's what, like, it's a smart thing to do when you're in that type of profession if you, if your client is still suffering but they need a more extensive type of care is to refer them to someone. Like, she was great with me. I did make a lot of progress with her, but my eating disorder was so severe that I could no longer control the behaviors. I needed to be in a controlled environment where my food, my sleeping, my exercise was all monitored. It was all done for me. Cause at that point, like it was a full blown addiction. I had my days were completely filled with like the eating disorder from waking to sleeping. I was doing the eating disorder. I needed to be put in an environment where I could be forced to do something else. Okay. That so. makes sense. Um, how do you feel now about the my fitness is it my fitness pal or my fitness what is it called the app yeah it's my my fitness pal and i hate it i spent seven years on it like i i still like have my account even when i got out of center for change and it was seven years of food logs and weight logs and weight loss pictures and it was my weight fluctuated dramatically through that time and you could go back and look through it all like there was days I was eating like 6,000 calories and there was other days I was eating 700 calories and there was I guess it helped me be aware of what I was doing with my body but it made me too obsessive yeah it controlled me I I let it gauge my worth if I ate this many calories this day I was in control I was like I don't know, like I was worth more if I could stay within a limited amount because I was going to weigh less, which meant I was more worthy and more beautiful right? and more accepted. Right. I totally get that. After I, after I had Helms, I, I didn't use my fitness pal, but I, I used a different app um, with actually it had a paid membership and I kind of got the same way. And I, like, I eventually, I, I, um, canceled my membership and I deleted the app because I realized I was wasting my brand new little baby's like moments that were never going to get back sitting around tracking what I was eating and how much I was exercising just, wow. just to, you know, bounce back as people say, which I, I hate that term so much. I wish it was not even a thing. Like, I don't know. Does that make sense? No, it makes complete sense. And I'm like 
so like proud of you and glad that you realized like that tracking your calories didn't matter and I hate the like the baby fat and the baby weight loss mm-hmm. um fat it's ridiculous like your body's meant to change well and eventually right well and I even hate to um like I know people are just trying to be you know nice and complimentary but when you get on Instagram and somebody's just had a baby and they post, you know, a picture that shows their body and everyone's like, oh my gosh, you look so good after just having a baby. Like even that, other people reading it, like what do you think that make? how do you think that makes them feel about their own postpartum bodies, you know? Yeah. And that's kind of what feeds into where everybody feels like you have to bounce back, like – I don't know. Yeah. And it's stupid because everybody's body is different. Some will go back to their set point weight that they had before they were pregnant in a month or two. And some it'll take a while and others, their body just does change. And that's okay. Cause we're each so unique and individual and the comparison and the competition that you see on social media is destructive to your self worth and your self image. Um, also, I wanted to say one thing about the calorie apps is that they teach you to like follow numbers instead of learning how to listen to your body. Mm-hmm. So you're totally I right. Okay. So I have some questions that people from my Instagram submitted to ask you. And the first one is, um, can you tell us a little bit about eating disorders versus disordered eating? And can you talk about eating disorders that are maybe not often talked about? Yeah, I can do that. So for me personally, like disordered eating and eating disorders walk a fine line. And I had to ask my therapist about this and this is what she said. She said, disordered eating are behaviors consistent with an eating disorder they don't control the person they can be willfully stopped um so these behaviors are abnormal and unhealthy but um they're not overtaking the person um eating disorders are addictive they're like a full-on addiction and they're driven by trauma um they control the person and the behaviors are extremely challenging to stop and the thinking processes that go along with the eating disorder are very obsessive and skewed and destructive and persistent. Okay. So do you think that somebody could start out engaging in some disordered eating and then eventually fall into an eating disorder? For sure. I think that's what happened with me. Okay. The next question is, um, what do you think it looks like to have a healthy relationship with food and your body? Um, so this is like, it takes some time to figure out, you know, um, for me personally, I think once you reach a healthy relationship with food, you are no longer using food as a punishment. You're not experiencing food guilt. You're not obsessing over food. You're not using food as a reward. You realize that food is a necessary part of life and that it is enjoyable and that it's going to be there. Like you don't, you don't have to eat everything on the weekends and then restrict throughout the week. Like you don't have to compensate for eating two donuts. Like you can just enjoy yourself with what you're eating. And also like you never let yourself get too hungry and you never let yourself get too full. So like one being the most absolutely hungry you can be and 10 being like disgustingly full. You want to stay between a three and seven. That way, like, your body is getting what it needs, and you're not feeling sick, you're not feeling gross. Um, Anyways, so relationships with food and body are very hard, and you have to learn how to listen to your body. What helps me is being mindful when I eat, Um, just really taking my time, being slow, paying attention to textures and flavors, and um, checking in with my body every few bites to see, okay, just, am I full? Am I getting past the point of full? Um, yeah. So 
think it looks a little different for everyone too. You're probably right. I know that interview is different than what I typically do here on my podcast because normally my podcast is really silly and light and funny and that was pretty heavy but I think it's so important and I'm glad that I had the opportunity to speak with Megan about it and I hope that somebody listening learned something from it and somebody was impacted by it. That's my hope. And I didn't want to end the episode without sharing some of my own personal experiences. And the reason for this is I'm hoping that maybe some of you can resonate with me and it'll make you feel validated and maybe not so alone. Because I think in this world that we live in now, where we are all just so consumed by social media and people have these personas and aesthetics and brands and just how they put themselves out there. And it's so easy for them to distort what their reality actually is. And things are so fake, but it's so easy to get tricked into thinking that it's real and it's so easy to think what is wrong with me why does my life not seem like their life why do I not look like them why do I not have what they have and so I just wanted to share some of my own personal stuff so that maybe It'll make some of you guys feel like you're not the only one feeling that way because I am too. And the first thing I wanted to talk about is what does it mean to be healthy? And I think my definition of what healthy is has definitely changed a lot throughout my life. And I'm almost 30 now. I'm 28. And I think that I'm finally getting to a point where what my idea of healthy is, is getting closer and closer to the truth and what healthy actually is. And I'm not so worried anymore about what I look like. And I'm a lot more worried about what I feel like. And that is in two ways, how I feel physically and how I feel mentally because you can't be healthy if your mind's not healthy too. Um, So many people struggle with mental health issues. I do. And I just think you have to do both. If you want to be truly healthy, you, you have to take care of your body and take care of your mind. I used to If I was going to work out, it was exclusively for one reason. It's because I wanted to look better. I wanted a flatter stomach, usually. That was usually my main motivator. I was usually pretty okay with the rest of my body, but I wanted, I was obsessed with the thoughts of having a flat stomach, which I never really have. Like, my body type is just not really that way. I'm just, I'm really soft bodied <laughs> and I always have been. And I think I could, I could, you know, kill myself to try to get there and I still wouldn't be happy. It still wouldn't be what I think I should look like and what I see other people looking like. And I finally got to a point where I quit doing it that way and I ate what made me feel good and I worked out because I wanted to work out because I knew it was good for me and I felt good doing it physically and mentally. I use working out as a way to improve my mental health as well. It's a really good way for me to de-stress and 
once I started doing that, I could run farther than I ever had been able to in my life. I could lift more weights than I ever had been able to in my life because it didn't feel like a chore anymore. It didn't feel forced and it didn't feel hopeless because I think that was a lot of it for me was I felt so desperate to look a certain way and I knew that I was never going to achieve that. And so I, I was almost like angrily working out, you know, knowing that it wasn't going to get me what I wanted and I was just miserable and I'm not that way anymore. And now I genuinely, genuinely enjoy exercise and, but I don't, I don't kill myself for it either. If I don't want to do it or if I was up with my kid all night long, I give myself a pass. I don't get up and I go and I don't go running that morning or I don't lift like it's it's fine and I'm okay. I know that I can just do it another day where before that was part of it for me too is I was very like strict about my schedule and if I had to miss it, I felt like the biggest failure and like I was the biggest loser and I've kind of just let go of all of that and it has been so so good for me so that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about what it means to be healthy you need to be physically and mentally healthy it's all encompassed in one and if you are doing things in an effort to be physically fit, but it is being a detriment to your mental health, you need to find a way to release yourself from that if you can. That's my advice. Another thing that I wanted to talk about is words. I feel so strongly that words are important. The things that you say are important and people carry the things that you say for years and sometimes for their whole life. And it, it really just things that you say have such a big effect on people. And I'm not the best at saying the right things. It's something that I I'm working on. I'm not perfect. I don't always follow my own advice. I try. The first time that I ever had the thought, I'm fat, was because of some things that people in my family said to me. I had never, ever had that thought in my whole life. It wasn't something that was on my radar. I didn't sit and stare in the mirror and look at myself and worry about if I was chubby or if I was big or anything like that. It was because of things that were said to me. And there hasn't been a day that has gone by since that day that I haven't thought poorly about how I look or thought that I was fat or thought that my stomach was too big or gross. So... Your words are just so, so important. Obviously, I mean, I'm an educator. I teach small children. Kids, to me, are so important. And the way that you speak to kids is so important. Sorry, I'm like, (laughs) I'm like getting choked up a little bit, but I, I know it, it's hard to be a parent and it's hard to be somebody who you know looks after little kids but your words are so important because they can have an effect on somebody's whole life so just be really careful with your words around everybody adults included but around kids especially and don't talk about yourself poorly in front of kids. Don't talk about 
how fat you are or how ugly you are because kids are like sponges. They just absorb that. And if they're around somebody all the time who is constantly talking about looks and placing their worth based off of looks, they're going to internalize that and they're going to base their own worthiness off of how they look also. And something, because I'm a teacher, um, I especially recently have been trying to be really careful about the way that I speak to my students. And I mean, it's so easy. Like I compliment my students all the time, but it's so, so easy to compliment them on their looks because that's the first thing that they see that you see. And I mean, I do it all the time, especially, you know, I teach kindergarten, they're little kids. They're excited about their shoes and their hair and their shirts. And I, you know, I want them to feel good. I tell them, Hey, awesome dinosaur shirt. Or like, I love the way your mom did your hair today. But I also try to make sure that that is not the only thing they are hearing from me. They're also hearing, you are smart. You are responsible. You are clever. You are talented. You are artistic. Whatever it is about them, that's what they're hearing from me too because I don't want them to think that the most important thing that I value in them is the way that they look. And I just think that, you know, we... We just live in this world where everybody feels that way. Everybody feels like the most important thing about you is the way that you look. And if we just kind of shifted the way that we said things and the way that we spoke to people, maybe it wouldn't be that way because it the way that you look is like so not important. The person that you are is important anyways I'm like crying (laughs) but I just I love kids and I just want them to know that they are awesome (laughs) Uh, anyways (laughs) I think I am gonna stop talking now because I'm (laughs) just kidding Uh, I just wanted to say one quick other thing which is totally has nothing to do with what I was just crying about but (laughs) um if you're not already following me on Instagram my Instagram is at m dot black rights and a lot of you are but if you aren't follow me there because that's where I do a lot of interacting with the listeners and I love it you guys I love it and I love you guys I really do. And if you feel like you can't reply to things or you don't want to answer questions or things because you feel like it's weird because you don't know me very well, I don't care. I want you to do it. I want you to. I want you to be my friend. Please be my friend. Because (laughs) there's a lot of people who like I know, but I don't know that well that reply to things. And I'm like, wow, they are cool and they are funny and they are awesome. And I feel like I'm making all these new friends now and I seriously love it. So even if, like I have some followers who I don't even know who they are at all. Like, hey, if you're listening, hi. Um, but even if you don't know me, still like reply to me. Like I would love it. I love it. I don't think you're weird. I think you're cool. And I just want to talk to you. And anyways. So follow me on Instagram and um, leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. I have a link in my Instagram bio. If you click it, it will take you to another place where there's a thing that says leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. And you can click on that and it'll take you right to my Apple Podcasts page and you can give me a review. Unfortunately, if you're an Android user... Apple is stingy and you can't leave a review. You can only read the reviews. So 
if you're an iPhone user or you have an iPad or a Mac or something, some Apple product that you can get on there and leave me a, re a review, I would be forever grateful. And I will see you guys next week for part two of Vanity Unfair. Bye.